listening to the Franchise Podcast Network, presented by Lucky Star Casino. KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, entertaining you since 1965. Now, the Road to OKC Softball Show with Ryan Chapman and former Sooner National Champion and current OKC Spark pitcher Alex DeRocco on your home for the Sooners, 1077, the franchise. Happy Wednesday, Oklahoma City. It's that time. It's time for the road to OKC. Ryan Chapman alongside the great Alex Starocco. Alex, how much fun was it to kick back and watch softball this weekend? It was really weird. I I was going to say, how, how was it for you? I know we like did the check-in last week thing of like, the, you've, you've been ramping into a season every year of your life at this time. How was it to like... Your teammates are now on flow, and you're sitting here like, I'm now texting bums like me about what's happening in the game instead of being in the... How was that for you? It was actually super entertaining, but also I think um, they were kind of annoyed probably with my tweets, which is totally fine. They're going to hear it anyway. Um, But it was just really interesting kind of like knowing the inside scoop and watching it from afar. Um, It's it's a different aspect for sure. And I did not know what to do with myself other than like, I couldn't multitask. I was so locked in on the game that I really didn't get a lot done that I was supposed to while watching softball. That's tough. That's see, that's the good thing about uh, when you just, my only thing I had to do was sit down and watch softball. It's like, I guess I'm not really multitasking, but I'm doing everything. Uh, It was a really, really fun weekend. Oklahoma rolls out to Mexico. The first weekend of the Port of Arda college challenge, 4-0, 4-0, perfect weekend for the Sooners. They started off with a 13-0 run rule over Utah Valley. And then a really tight one that, if this were played later in the year, not sure how tight it would have been as, as far as Oklahoma beating Duke 3-0. Oklahoma never looked anything but in command of that game. Ten runners left on base, though. That's probably what the, the team has taken away. And then the absolute thriller on Friday night, 4-3 Oklahoma wins over Washington we will have thought, or I have so many questions for you. Uh, I would like to know your opinion on obstruction. I would like to, so many of that. And then Oklahoma closes out the weekend. If you were listening on the franchise all weekend long, Patty Gasso talked with Chris Plank before the game, basically like long night, emotional game, took a while to unwind. She had all the makings of a trap game, and Oklahoma jumped on him early. Uh, Kirsten Deal didn't have her best outing. Patty Gasso yesterday said maybe a little bit of nerves. I wondered how much for you, this is a great question for you. Chris Plank talked all week about how muggy it was in um, Puerto Vallarta, which is not something we really get around here in Oklahoma in the lead up. Like it gets muggy May, sometimes June, if you have some rain roll through, but like how much does that affect a pitcher when you go from like, it's been pretty cold and dry into suddenly a really hot, like muggy environment, just like that overnight, basically. Yeah, I think that's really hard, especially when um, you have pitchers um, that really focus on their spin. And I think uh, Kirsten Deal really has a spin factor to her. So when it gets to um, the point of not being able to grip the ball, the laces in a certain way, it is it does affect that. But also it, uh, I would have feel like it affects like your your tempo and you, you hear um Kelly Maxwell actually in the presser this week talked a lot about the tempo and stuff. And that's a really, really big talking point that uh, Coach Rocha talks about. But 
when you're kind of a little bit more of a heavy breath in that muggy environment, um, it definitely has a change, especially when, you know, the rules that are changing are trying to speed up the game. Um, and as a pitcher, that's the last thing you want to do is speed up. So um, I definitely think that it has a, a big factor. Um, but she's still young. She still had, as as good as she did last year, It's she still had limited innings. Um, and so I think that's just adding to that moment. They're in Mexico. I mean, how do you not get distracted? I'm sure that they weren't at all. But, like, they still were in a different country. I know some of them had never explored out of the country before. So I think all of it kind of put put together has a little bit of a factor on that, but definitely the mugginess, the humidity. Um, it's kind of funny. You get, you kind of develop like calluses on your fingertips as a pitcher. Yeah. So that definitely goes in into a factor. You mentioned it, Kirsten deal though. She came on strong, especially toward the end of the year. We'll go back a lot to bedlam and what she did there and kind of uh, in that moment, earning Patty Gasso and, and coach Roach's trust to say, okay, you can throw four arms in the postseason if you get only 27 and a third innings a year ago. So it is, those big moments, it, it it's something I had to almost recalibrate as I was doing some season preview stuff. Is my last memory is her being a big piece of what you guys could do as far as a lefty. We know how much the, the righty lefty being able to just switch that look on on an opposing lineup mid game, all that stuff. But take a step back and go, no, no, no. She she did have a, a really low workload inning wise because of what you were doing, because of Nicole, because of Jordy Ball. When you mention. Um, Pitchers like KD, Kirsten Deal, who, sorry, I've talked to Patty Gasso a lot. That, that's all she'll refer to her as, and it just, like, seeps through into my brain. So apologies to everyone. I'll try to, like, stop that. I feel like unwork I say the out same of, thing. Yeah, yeah, I have to, like, unwork out of that at the start of every year because I'm like, no, Ryan, you're not just in the room, whatever. Um, when, when someone who, who works with a ton of spin like that, if if that's kind of affecting grip, stuff like, how does that, like, play out? Is it that ball's just, like, sit fatter basically across the middle is that kind of what happens there yeah when you don't have that spin and you're you kind of rely on it and that falls into my category too i'm more of a spin pitcher and so when i'm focusing on spinning through the zone you're going to throw it straight and let the spin take over so when you don't have that spin you're kind of planting it a little fat and so that just happens and and I think that's going to get, you're going to get better at that as you get experience. Like we said, like 27 and a third um, last year, she's still young. She still has those, um, those innings she needs to get. And then also just, um, it's hard to be able to practice in that kind of environment when Oklahoma doesn't have that kind of environment. So you really have to adjust really at the tip of the hat. And um, so I think she was able to re- rely on her defense a little bit more than maybe that she's used to. Um, and luckily, Oklahoma has the defense and that you're able to do that. Yeah, it's something that'll be a storyline this weekend. Certainly, we'll preview, obviously, this weekend at the bottom of the show as Oklahoma heads out to Lake Charles to take part in the Cowgirl Challenge. Two games against Central Arkansas, two games against McNeese State, who almost played a little bit of Cinderella role last year. Washington came all the way back to obviously... Not that one. I know that you were so pumped. You were just cheering for the Huskies the whole way through. You have a you great relationship with them. I know that. Yeah. We, right. We've talked about that. Right. We know right. that. Yes, right. yes, yes. I I know that people inside the coaching office were just stoked about that, too. Well, neither here nor there. Uh, and then uh, one game against Lamar as well. But that'll close it out. But, but taking a step back, uh, let's start with the pitching staff. Obviously, something that is right up your alley. Nicole May, just she continued to truck along. Um, I told you about, uh, we've talked about, I don't know if it was here on the show or 
just off air how I feel like sometimes I'm like, hey, guys, Nicole May takes it a little bit in the teeth for like basically two games against UCLA when that's just a bad matchup for her. Uh, Nicole May, no earned runs against Washington. Uh, she was the victim. I, like, I felt most bad for Nicole May in the whole uh, obstruction at the plate, not obstruction at the plate, which has been talked about ad nausea. But she was really the only pitcher I thought this weekend that didn't show any bit of nerves. Kelly Maxwell talked about having a little bit of that in the first inning and change of the Duke game. Obviously, she had a hit and a hit by pitch issued and then a walk. And then she retired 11 straight, was nails. Carly Keeney. I thought that she kind of had that a little bit in the Washington game from my view, but then against Long Beach State, she came in 13 straight. That was money. And uh, the the one that didn't really have the nerves was Peyton Monticelli, who came in and just uh, ignited Oklahoma in the uh, bottom of the fifth against Washington. How do you think the pitching staff did as a whole? I think they were just so exciting to watch, and I think it's fun seeing that they have a good balance of like that stone-cold, stoic kind of um, – attitude and then you have the ones that love to get fired up and I think it's a good balance and I think um, the offense also feeds off of that but like going back to the pitching it was really fun to watch them and and there's a lot of newcomers that came in and they did really really well and and for as experienced Kelly is and I can relate honestly like watching her presser from yesterday Honestly, I related to everything that she said. Like, I was like, yep, mm-hmm, went through that, like, all of that stuff. And I think that's the hardest part is the first inning, whether that's Keeney or Kelly. Because um, I experienced it, too. My start was against um, Stanford in the Mark Campbell last year. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the first inning. I'm playing for Oklahoma. This is weird. This is crazy because I've played for an organization for so long in my career. And so it's something very different. And obviously with OU, it's a very di- different atmosphere. So... I think that's the part where you always have to remember we see these athletes perform at a really high level on TV a lot, but, like, they're humans, too. And you pitched in a ton of big games at Michigan. Kelly pitched in a ton of big games, a ton of World Series. Like, biggest stage, Oklahoma State. Whether you're stepping in to play with Oklahoma, whether you're stepping in to play with the U.S. National, whatever it is, you're around new people, you're around new coaches. Like, there's a bit of nerves of just, like, I want to go out there and I, I wonder, like, for you, was was there a sense of almost like I want to prove the coaching staff right for wanting to bring me in and wanted to say no, I I can come and be a big piece here. Like you go through all that, and then how does Coach Rocha and Coach Gasol just take over and go? That's great. Boot all of that. We need you to go and pitch in the second inning in February and just worry about that. Pretty pl- like how, how does that whole thing go? I mean, I feel like in that moment, because you get so comfortable after playing for four years at a program, um, whether that's the coaches, the pitch calling, um, the defense, the offense, you just get comfortable with your environment. And so no matter what kind of game that you're playing in, whether that Kelly has the experience of playing at the World Series, I never did, but I had those tough nail biters. You got nervous because it was like, okay, this is the number one program. And like, I got brought here, but like, not only do I have to prove to the coaches, to my teammates, the fans, but also myself. I'm like, okay, um, I'm here for a reason, obviously, because they saw something in me, but also, like, am I good to really just stand where they stand? Um, And I think that's a big part of it, too, Um, especially for me, too. That was a really big, like, a lot of my career was a a pinch-me moment. I really wasn't supposed to be there. Um, So I feel like that's my point of view, and... um, I just, whenever I hear Kelly talk, um, 
in any kind of interview she's had, it's just I've related to a lot just because we've had similar paths. And so it was exciting to see how successful she was. And I couldn't believe that she was like, yeah, I have nerves, which I can believe it. But I was like, I mean, you look at her numbers and you, you're like, nerves, you gave up a single hit, chick. Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> I, I wish that I was that good at anything, like, totally locked in, much less, like, being able to perform that way uh, nervous. It, it's, like, really, really impressive. And then... I, I thought she was huge. Uh, we're going to dive into that Washington game here on the other side. But uh, what you talk about, what everyone did, Nicole May working around some early season uh, free passes. That, that That's what she did, I thought, really well last year is the, the first two years of her career, Nicole May would be money, 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 and then she'd give up a couple of walks. And it was almost like she would fire herself out of getting out of a, a bases loaded jam. But it's also like you also kind of created that jam. So it's like great that you got out of it, but you know, it would be even better if you just avoided the situation altogether. I, I think you saw just like a smidge of that, which like it is expected to be your first weekend back, especially playing. If you look at the coaches polls that came out, um, Washington moved up to five, despite losing to Oklahoma Duke moved up to 10. Like the, it, I, we told you, these are fantastic softball teams. And, and I thought when you go from Nicole May and what she did all the way up until the obstruction call, which uh, what was your view on that? I, I know that uh, you might, uh, you might be close to one of the people involved in that just a little bit. And uh, as, as soon, I, I have to be honest, Patty Gasso yesterday basically said, no one knows what the obstruction rule is and how it's like applied game to game. But as soon as Kinsey Hansen went down, she's like, I just knew that that was like probably going to happen. And I was like, it's weekend one. Weekend one always turns into a little bit of an ump show. As soon as, soon as Kinsey Hansen got pulled out and like started going down, I was like, well, this is not going to end well. And then... Uh, obviously, it, it was a, a huge moment to let Washington basically start a rally that played in three runs and, and went up 3-2, and then Oklahoma was playing from behind that hole. Like, well, what, what do you have to do as a pitcher in that situation trying to like battle out of that mental uh, gymnastics? I mean, first of all, the obstruction rule is just a lot of loads of a lot of everything. So there's just so much confusion, gray area, and it's really frustrating not only as now a fan, I'm like, what the heck, let's go by the rule book because I literally looked up the rule book and I'm like, hey, what are we doing here? Because if the ball takes you there, and in my point of view, Kinsey had possession of the ball, and so you're allowed to t tag a runner if you have the ball in said glove. So that's where some frustration as a fan comes from. But then also, too, like in that moment, you're like, okay, there's no review um, to even kind of question it. And I know Coach did as best as she could. And that's when you kind of have to have that reset button that um, – mindset of a goldfish especially as a pitcher I feel like we emphasize that no matter what um but I think in those moments you really just have to like find that reset and that's a really big mental key um that I didn't learn honestly till the back half of my career in college um but it was so instrumental in a lot of success that I had um and I know OU does a lot to help their pitchers really find that um and I think deal or May did really good at like just trying to find the best at what she could with the situation because that's just something you can't control is the umpire's call in a non-reviewable situation. Um, and it sucks, but it's frustrating. No one knows what it is. I think it causes one of probably one of the most talked about situations on softball Twitter is the obstruction rule. And like everyone just calls in the pro that they think is Jen Schroeder. Yeah. And so I think that's so funny is whenever I see Jen um, on Twitter during softball season, she's replying to obstruction rule situations. If you're on Twitter, it's obstruction. If you're in the 
uh, actual stadium, it is uh, crow hop and out of the box. That that's like the 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 just. It, it's like. Uh, fan that is just going to a basketball game to show some support and maybe they don't know the rules and then rebound that's like the that's the one thing that gets yelled i hear so much she's out of the box as we're covering games and then the obstruction call that that's what you just go on and, and you get on twitter but credit to nicole may she stabilized that they're in the fourth inning and then i think that uh she was withdrawn not because of um performance i think this was patty gasso and, and jennifer roach is sticking to their they want to have starter reliever, closer type energy all year long. That's when Peyton Monticelli comes in, fifth inning. She was electric. Uh, I don't know what was better, her three-up, three-down performance or the, like, 15 seconds after the strikeout where, like, you can even hear on flow, it's just firing the dugout up. Obviously, Oklahoma responds to the top of the sixth, and then Peyton gets into it. Was a, it was a quick uh, quick hook for Peyton, quick hit for hook for Carly, and that's when Kelly Maxwell comes in immediately right off the bat makes the defensive play, the the fielder's choice at home. And then from there, it was the Kelly Maxwell we've watched uh, in this state for a really long time. Absolutely. And I think not only does that go to, like you said, the starter, the the middle, and then the reliever, but coach I know wants to get experience under pitcher's belt um, this early in the season because you're only going to grow from that. And so I think coach will no matter what the score is, we'll want to get that experience because she's not trying to win in February. She's trying to win in June. And so when you think that way, you're like, okay, this is only setting us up for, for winning in June. And I feel like not a lot of coaches think in the long term. Uh, they're like, oh, this is a big game. We want the W, like, you know, all this stuff. But I think coach really plays to it. But like you said, that they kind of had a short leash with some. And I think that's all strategy too. I think Peyton Monticelli, I think you're going to see her a lot in um, just matchup wise. Um, And I think she's going to be a good reliever. She's got the quickness that you don't really expect because of her slower motion. Um, But I think she's really going to be key. And I think Carly Keeney's quick pull kind of had to do with like that first inning kind of nerve it's your first appearance kind of deal but it's also kind of a sticky situation and then she came back on on Saturday and really just showed everyone what she really had um so I think it was all very just strategic truthfully in a lot of ways and getting a lot of um experience under the belt of the pitching staff um that will supply us for the rest of the year yeah carly was good against duke as well is she tossed in there not as big a run as she got against long beach state but i thought it was a really strong performance uh from the entire pitching staff and that's why we have the great expertise of alex Storacco to be able to shed a little light on that on the other side we're going to dive into uh you know there are uh, is another half of this uh, team, one that Oklahoma is very much known for, the firepower that was off and running. But first, just a quick reminder, hey, softball season's here, and you need to make sure you have all the equipment that allows you to perform at your very best, and you need that equipment. That equipment is resilient. Let me tell you about Resilient Softball. It's an Oklahoma-based company that produces innovative, high-quality softball products, such as Goldilocks, our evolutionary patented glove design that ensures the perfect fit for every player. So if you want to take your game to the next level, buy resilient softball gear at either Gregory Sporting Goods in Moore or Visdom online at www.resilientsfbl.com. That's resilientsfbl.com. And big shout out to Resilient. They've been a sponsor here for a couple of years on the road to OKC. We appreciate them. Go support the people that support us. But like I said, Alex Draco, Ryan Chapman, this is the road to OKC. On the other side, we'll dive into everything the lineup did down in Mexico in weekend one for the Oklahoma Sooners. So we'll be right back. 
You're listening to the Road to OKC Softball Show with Ryan Chapman and former Sooner National Champion and current OKC Spark pitcher Alex DiRocco on your home for the Sooners, 1077, the franchise. Welcome back. Road to OKC rolling on here on this Valentine's evening. Hope everyone out there is having a lovely day, a love-filled day. And we're here doing what we love, which is talking OU softball. Ryan Chapman and Alex Starocco. Alex, we just broke down the pitching staff, and by we, I mean you. Uh, but Oklahoma, the uh, the tanks were out in full force on Thursday against Utah Valley. They were against Long Beach State. They kind of a, a mixed bag against Duke and Washington. You had some clutch hitting, specifically against Washington. Uh, but in both of those games, 10 runners left on base apiece. Uh, so plenty of room to improve, and that's to be expected. Like You don't want to be playing your best softball in February. That's not how you win national championships. Patty Gasson knows that. This team knows that. But uh, just when you look at the weekend as a whole before we dive into some specific games, who are some of the uh, the hitters that uh, stuck out to you? Good or uh, meh? I don't know if anyone was really bad. Um, but uh, good, meh. I mean, I mean, there, there are some obvious names out there. I know one that uh, I was stoked to see which we'll talk about when we get back around to that Washington game. But uh, who kind of stuck out to you? Um, I'm going to be a little obvious here and just say Burrito. She was the tournament MVP when, down there. Um, and I know me and you were texting about it when um, games kind of got rolling and she really started off with a strikeout. And I was like, oh, gosh, I, what is I, happening? What I is- was like, oh, it's really not what I wanted out of that at bat. And Ryan was like, yep, she's playing just possum. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And then all of a sudden she just comes and she's, three home runs, you know, five RBIs. And just that's the only strikeout of the weekend is that right there. And, yeah. and so she dropped a lot of burrito bombs and I love that out of her. And there's just so much passion out of all of it, um, no matter what it is. Um, she went to back-to-back with Hanson. She just started off a lot with just some power and, and that's exactly what I think she kind of kept it rolling from last postseason. She really sparked up the last half of season and finally getting the recognition that she deserves. Um, and then another one were the two freshmen, Cassidy and Ella. I think they did so good um, with their presence in the box, which I feel like is so rare to see out of freshmen. But they got in there and they were like, yep, I belong here. I worked for this and I don't need to be anywhere else. And I think when you see that out of freshmen, it's really exciting. Um but then also they stepped up in those moments. Um, Cassidy obviously having the first at bat grand slam. She ended the weekend with seven RBIs, which is not bad. Match. Nuts. I mean, how do you go up from there, which is crazy. Um, but then Ella also had just an insane weekend, three RBIs, and she just looked comfortable. And it's it's fun to see them comfortable in those in situations, just being newbies um, and newcomers and really just seeing them buy into the foundation of OU softball as they grow into the program. Um, and so those kind of three were really big. Um, obviously, Tiare starting off the scoring with her her solo um, in the Duke game. And so there's just a lot of obviously action-packed side of the offense, which is really fun. Um, I thought one that people might be concerned about was Jada Coleman, but also I think people also have to realize that they have really high expectations for the nation's best leadoff in the country. So um, if I don't recall, Jada also needed some, you know, fire under her butt last year too. So she, she, it feels like 
she is one that is we know Jada the firecracker very excited and I think that like her play reflects that in a lot of ways there's a lot of talk about like for her and for Alyssa Brito when they draw a walk it's almost as big a reaction as a home run we saw that last year from Jada one of the storylines for Jada last year was all Patty Gasso basically said she had added so much strength that she's going to start hitting home runs like Tiare and we did see that but she started off kind of slow I, I thought that um, you know, Patty Gasso yesterday, she talked about something that she does at the beginning of a lot of years is, is come back from the first couple of weekends and ask the team to kind of grade one to 10. How do you think you played? It feels like every year I've covered the team, they've gotten fours and fives in the first weekend. And you're not having to ask that by, by the of time course. the end of the season of goes. Course. Yeah, but it, it feels like and she talks about, um, you know, so, some of the players trying to hit home runs and, and over swinging. I think Jada it may, might be the most guilty of that in the first uh, weekend or two. It, it feels like she's just so excited for the season to get here that she's just like, I want to lead off with a bang. And then it's like, oh, it's almost the dumb thing of like, if you just do roll through all your mechanics and just chill out, that's when the power is going to come because you are that strong. It, it just it, like forcing it never works, it feels like. Absolutely. And I feel like as I got to know her last year, it was like, it was the fact that she wasn't even trying and she was like, oh, I hit that out like seriously and then I think I even watching her at bats this weekend I feel like she was like you said getting so excited about stuff that she was just jamming herself and getting popped up and so when you're trying too hard to make something happen that's when everything's going to go downhill and so that's what I mean when I say like seeing the freshmen so comfortable I feel like they really weren't trying to hit the ball out they weren't trying to do too much and um, I feel like someone else who really did that was Ludd I feel like she really stepped up, and I know you want to get to that. Um, but she was another one. My favorite person to talk to. <laughs> I, like, there are a lot of great quotes on this team. Talking to her in the fall was, like, one of my favorite things because she was just so, like, I can't believe I'm here type thing. Like, pinch me. And seeing her step in three plate appearances, three RBIs in three different ways. She had the sack fly against uh, Utah Valley. Didn't have the plate appearance against Duke. The big one against Washington. Then she drew a bases loaded walk against Long Beach. Say, like, how much more patient do you, do you need? How much more just like, hey, just go in there and do what you need to do. You don't need to hit a home run, stuff like that. Exactly. And I think that's such a big definition of a role player right there is just really buying into what you need to do and not trying to do too much when you get the opportunity. And I thought it was really funny seeing Coach talk about deciding to put her in and seeing her in like that kind of deer in headlight and coach would be in like, Oh no, what are we doing? And then talking about how she was hyperventilating and then having to calm her down. It was just really funny because, um, I really haven't had a ton of conversations with Lud, but it's just funny to see that like, that's, that's a reaction when you're coming as an outsider into this program, because that's, that's real. It's very real. Can admit, um, the whole fall, my first year, it was like, Oh, this is real. Okay, cool. Uh, we're making ESPN plays all practice. That's awesome. Cool. Um, very casual around here. No one else is as excited as I am. Casual. Yeah, you're, you're, they're just like, yeah, Alex. This is what we do on Tuesday. Wait till we wait till you see what happens on Friday. You're going to be really blown away. One of those things. Exactly. So I thought it was really funny to see just Coach being like excited and really show that emotion with Lud and. Um, how excited she was for her because she knows she's been working hard. And that's all I've heard around the program and around the girls in the locker room of Ludd is someone who really is there open to all the criticism and willing to do whatever it takes to work as hard as everyone else and, and be in that conversation. So I was really excited for her um, to see it all really pay off. It's going to be fun. Um, come like postseason time when, when they're telling those stories all over again, it, it as it does. And, uh, 
you get to see because I, I remember um, we Riley Ludlam had a really really strong showing. I think it was maybe the second night of fall ball um, or maybe the third. Either one of those. It wasn't night one uh, of the battle series, and she had a really really nice showing. And, and I remember asking Patty Gasso about like, hey, like Furman's not usually where Oklahoma grabs transfers from. What'd you kind of see? And she was like. Honestly, we were in a bad spot. Jocelyn Erickson and Sophia Nugent, that was your two and third option at uh, catcher. So, like, they, they needed a backup catcher. And she's like, there was not a ton of video available. We kind of went off of some recommendations, the video we could get, some feel. And then, of course, she tells the story of, like, Riley Ludlum thought she was being pranked when when Patty Gasso calls her. And I, I can't imagine, like, like, what that would have been like for anyone, much less someone that was just entering the portal to, like, kind of just see what was out there and be like, oh, I just watched you win a national championship and reel off all these games, and you want me to come in and back up Kinsey Hand? Sure, I guess. Uh, no, for sure. I also had not thinking I was getting prank called, but I definitely double took my phone when I saw an Oklahoma City number call my phone when I was in the portal because I never in a million years thought Oklahoma would ever call me out of the portal. So it's very, it's a very real thing as well. Um, but I can only imagine. And um, she also played in the Florida League, which I also played in. And I just remember um, when uh, she committed and stuff, everyone around in that kind of bubble of the Florida League was really excited for her because she had always really performed well um, in that league. And so I was excited just to see what she brought to the program and see what kind of mold she can really fill um, under JT. And I think that also just goes to show how much um, the coaching staff pours into each and every um, athlete on the roster. And I don't think I can emphasize that enough, truly, because um, I feel like everyone really focuses on the core. Um, but when you have those kinds of extra role players like Ludd, it's it makes it like even more exciting and then you see the appreciation and the joy when those core people are so excited for Riley Ludlum to get the, that RBI and and in those situations so it just it's it really comes full circle so it's it's really cool to see it really all kind of come together yeah as we get farther and farther into the season I think Oklahoma fans are going to enjoy um, I know I fired it back out there of like hey in case you missed it in the fall he, here was her interview. Just a really like genuine person. Really cool to talk. And you could just tell that immediately from kind of talking to her. Because she, she was almost even like, there were just three or four of us. And she was almost like, people want to talk to me? What, what's going on? And we're just like, yeah, you had a good day. Like, that, that's what happens here. Uh, one of those things. So Riley Ludlum, I, I thought that she had a really awesome weekend. Not the only Riley that was a lot of fun. Riley Boone, I know that she um, flies under the radar a lot because she gets put in the nine hole. Not because she's a nine hole hitter in the traditional sense, but because... Patty Gasso wants you to, as a pitcher, have that like, oh, God, like I'm not through the lineup. Riley Boone's going to come up and she can do anything. And if she's on, then Jada Coleman's back in and then then you're back over a barrel all over again. And uh, I spent most of the week, basically, Tuesday I asked JT about this, but uh, it seems like Riley's bunt single got better over the offseason, which I don't know how that is possible because it was like almost automatic. Like when you saw her like, flash that she was going to bunt, I, I would just like in my scorebook, she'd be like, she's going to be on first base. That's not now. And, and then as a like, pitcher, it's terrifying. Well, it, it <laughs> she was always really good. Just like inching it up the third baseline. So especially for like a right-handed catcher to like get down and then open your body all the way back up and fire back down. And Riley's just already like, I'm just waiting for the next pitch. And now all of a sudden it's just like dying immediately. And I'm just like, that's impossible. I don't, I don't know how she does that. I don't know how you defend that. It just looks like a headache. 
I think one of my favorite all-time bunts from Boone is the one that stopped on the chalk line at the World Series. Everyone's like, of course, everyone's like, well, of course, if it was spray paint, like, it wouldn't have done that. Like, they gave extra chalk on the field, and I was like... Chalk's badass, but those people are stupid. (laughs) But I don't think people realize what kind of skill that takes because bunting is so hard, but as such a big offensive team people think that we're like oh yeah in practice we just teach home runs like coach is actually very very um intricate about bunting um and she has the best of the best bunt when they need to and like now that i've played with jocelyn allo she's probably one of the best bunters i've ever seen and i think that goes hand in hand with how you're seeing the ball at the plate too um but when you have boone she's literally the most i think underrated player in that lineup especially in the nine hole she can, she is a true triple th- threat which is so hard to find in the game these days she can lay the bunt down she can slap it she can beat out anything but then also hit a home run um and in any kind of situation and it's truly hard to find and when you have Boone and then you have Jada, who's very similar, like you said, she kind of added that power to get that home run, but she's a big contact hitter too, but can lay down the butt and get down the, the line super fast. I think when you have those two back-to-back and as a pitcher, in my mind, I mean, trust me, I went through it all fall and I was like, what am I doing here? But it's really hard to kind of get out of that, okay, like just get the nine, nine hole out and we'll start at the top next inning. And you're like, crap, it's Riley Boone. Yeah, it's there. There is no break, and that's the strength of it. And I think too, um, don't forget we're we're not that many years removed from Oklahoma primarily getting the job done with a couple of power hitters, and then a lot of like really excellent slappers. Like you think back to uh, the twenty eleven and twenty twelve teams for every Lauren Chamberlain and Kalani Ricketts, there was a Brianna Tarang who, who was able to just slap that thing right over the head of the shortstop, and then suddenly they're off and running, moving around, all that stuff, and so. Um, Coach Gasso embraced the chaos before baseball. Though. Yes, yeah, she did. <laughs> and it's like I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Desi Martinez is one of those that uh, Destiny always talking. She's just like, yeah, they play a different sport than what I did at times. One of those things. Mindy had a little bit of both. Obviously, I had a great time working with Nicole um, the last two years. It's like it, it, it's not just uh, something like that. And then listen to JT talk about it. Like you, bunting and softball because the bases are everything shrunk. It, it's not just hey, you're laying down the bunt, you have to work in your slap footwork, all that stuff to can't be out of the bot. Like all the stuff that goes into when Riley Boone just has a ball totally die and just stands on first base. And you're just like, I don't know how that happens because like I can't hit a wiffle ball uh, at like 10 miles an hour, although I'm not an athlete. So that that solves that. But it, I'm just always in awe when that happens. Yeah, no, it's it's really, really fun to just watch her play and then also try to guess how many pieces of gum she has in her mouth when she's celebrating at first base. <laughs> we have so some just like inside baseball uh, on the back end of our website. We have this incredible photo where she is just blowing this like massive bubble. And it's my it's like one of my favorite photos that we have. And I have to like literally tell myself like you can only use it like once a month because then metrics, all that stuff, like people don't click on stuff when when they see that they think it's the same sort of. But I'm just like, it's the best photo. We it, it's It's better than the Riley like in front of the greatest show on dirt sign at the world series, like giving the fist pump. That's a great photo. Great art. I love the like blow in the bubble, just hanging out on first, but you, you just never guess that that's one of like the most fiery players in college softball. She just looks like, Oh yeah, cool. We're out here. We're having a good time. Whatever. Right. No, I swear we're going into introductions before a game and she like tests how many she, like pieces of gum she can have in her mouth and like chomp on while she's going through handshakes and intros, which is like, I don't know how you do that. Because I, I don't, I just... It's I impressive. It. I was never a gum chewer I- anyway, so one of those things. I thought somebody who had, uh, real quick, 
uh, before we duck out of here, kind of do a little preview, things you want to see kind of improve. Um, and what the mindset, so I want to I really dive into the mindset of, okay, you had a good weekend, but still plenty to lock in on. Cindy Sanders, I know she didn't have the, like, uh, just fireworks show that we saw the back half of the season, but much like Ella Parker, I thought Ella Parker and Sydney Sanders approach her mind and be like, even last year when Sydney was struggling to kind of chase kind of what she did as a freshman, she still had a lot of her production came from walks and being really disciplined and not really over swinging. I thought you got that from Sydney Sanders again. She was only three of eight for the weekend, but uh, rolled through there, drew another three walks, uh, pretty decent on base percentage. It, one of those things where uh, I think she just kind of and, and got dinged on another one. So three walks plus got on base with a hit by pitch. Um, I think she's just one of those players that she'll work herself into starting to hit the home runs, but just because she, you don't look up and see, oh, she's on pace for 20 home runs right now, her and what she's able to do as far as just constantly providing a, a base runner, and then you saw Maya Bland step in, another true freshman who did an excellent job running the bases, stuff like that. I, I thought that that combo was really good, and obviously that was a, a huge part of putting a base runner on that Washington game. Yeah, absolutely. I think Sid brought a lot of consistency this weekend, which was really fun to see just because I know last year she struggled in the first part. Um, but then another hitter I kind of want <clears throat> to talk about is Alina Torres. She didn't start a whole uh, ton, but when she she really made her moments count because she got in there and she had RBIs. She made things work and was able to take um, really advantage of the opportunities that Coach Gasso gave to her. Um, and I know she is one that is just a lot of fun to just be in the locker room with. She is just a hoot, truthfully. And when people see the meme, I guess, that OU Twitter has made of me, of me shrugging at yes. the World Series, that was from that stemmed from Alina Torres getting a, a super clutch hit. Yeah, and She loves to just shrug it off in the most nonchalant way. And so... When she did it, I like shrugged with her and someone got a picture of it. And so now I think I'll be forever etched in OU Twitter meme history. But it should be Alina. You're saying that basically like you're living off of Alina's thing. Yeah, she just she just loved to like casually hit a, you know, two RBI double against Oklahoma State and just shrugs it at second. So Such like she started doing it. And I was like, after everything, like after every hit, it was like, OK, I'm going to shrug with you. Yeah. And now it's like, everyone's like, oh, Alex did it. I'm like, no, I was kind of going with Torres, but yeah, sure. You're just like Simon <laughs> Says type thing. It was, yeah. it was actually dynamic at second base. Um, Alina was the most consistent in the box. I think you saw Patty Gasso. You knew it was closing time when Avery Hodge came in to play second late in some of those games. We didn't see a ton of Quincy Lilio. Um, I imagine those opportunities will be a, a lot more this weekend, but it, it was it's interesting to see if that continues to play out of maybe you start Alina, and then if you get into a, a dogfight-type game and you're trying to hold on to a one-run lead, not that Alina's bad at second base. Avery Hodge is just excellent, and it, it was clearly a find a way to get one of your best infielders on the field just to, to chip in and help and try and lock that thing down late, especially against both Duke and Washington. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, too, when you have Torres getting on base and then using able to use the sub to use Avery's um, speed. I think that's also just another key of just being able to finesse the lineup and have both powers of each player and be able to use them to the advantage. And you saw that with Cassidy and core too. Um, so I think that's something to pretty much look into the rest of the season. I think coach will really play into it because she's not going to have um, a side of the, of the game where she's going to, get caught kind of lacking, I guess. Yeah, so. she does a great job of using every string top to bottom of the roster. Uh, also, real quick, not to circle back, 
Um, Sidney Sanders leads the world in center fielders dumping the ball over uh, center field off their glove for a home run. It happened against Kentucky last year in the OU tournament. And that was one that I remember being like, because I remember I asked Patty Gasser after the game, like, hey, it's kind of an unconventional home run, but can that be something that can maybe spark Sid and just basically be like, breathe, you got a home run type thing. Which it did. And it did. And and she uh, carried that a couple of weekends later it, when you guys went to the couple of games up in Miami of Ohio, I think. Um, she She really just like, she was like, no, I hate Ohio. I'm just going to hit as many home runs as possible. I, I don't want to speak for her, but that's what it looked like. Uh, one of those things, and that really got her rolling. She did it again. I, I, another home run dumped off of uh, uh, the center fielder into uh, uh, the stands. Just incredible. The physics on that. I know that Patty Gasso and JT work on that exact play over and over, and Sid's just the first one to perfect it. So congratulations to her. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have the pitchers who are just the playing center fielders that they're like, okay, just try to catch it and... Just, just that's that's practice. Do your best. You. Do your best. <laughs> Have fun. Just don't break your finger doing it. Just don't break your finger doing it. That's Alex Draco. All right, Chad. We're gonna preview the weekend ahead and, and all that fun stuff on the other side. But just real quick, uh, big shout to Case and Associates. They're a big sponsor of the road to OKC. Find Case, find home. Just visit CaseUSA.com for available apartments in your favorite part of OKC. I live at a Case property. Best decision I ever made. Seriously, head over to CaseUSA.com. They will get you hooked up. One final segment of the road to OKC. You want to pick Alex's brain on what, what this week of practice has been like for Oklahoma as you try to round into shape. And then we'll preview a little bit of what Oklahoma's going to see out in Lake Charles as well as maybe dabble on just some of the other stuff around the country. Does the Big 12 have the number one and number two team in the country again? I think so. It just might be a different shade of orange based off one weekend alone. We will see that and more on the other side. You listen to the OKC. Stick with us. You're listening to the Road to OKC Softball Show with Ryan Chapman and former Sooner National Champion and current OKC Spark pitcher Alex Duraco on your home for the Sooners, 1077, the franchise. One final segment of the Road to OKC here on this Valentine's Day. I hope everyone's had a good week out there. Hey, just a reminder, if you just hopped in the car, missed some of the show, missed the front end, you're not going to be able to hang out until the end. First off, what are you doing? But that's okay. We'll have this bad boy podcast. If you just search the Road to OKC on Apple or Spotify, if that's how you do the podcast thing, it'll be up there. I'm going to post it literally as soon as the show ends. So by like 930, it'll be up there. Or if you uh, prefer to go through thefranchiseok.com, it'll be posted up there as well. And it's where you can catch the show every single week in its entirety. So if you ever miss anything, anything like that, don't worry. You can catch up there. And then before we dive into it real quick, um, big shout out to Riverwind Casino. Just a quick reminder of some of their upcoming shows and events. They got Scott McCreary rolling through. Um, you'll have live country music on February 23rd. Tickets for that start at 50 bucks. Doors open at 7 p.m. Shows begin at 8. And then one of my personal favorites uh, everyone's going to have Jim Gaff again. That's on March 23rd. Tickets for that start at $83. There's two showtimes to choose from, 1 5 p.m., 1 8 p.m. So go see Scott McCreary and Jim Gaff again out at Riverwind. Alex, talking to Patty Gasso yesterday, as we kind of alluded to, uh, perfect 4-0 weekend, two really, really, really uh, just elite competition. But Oklahoma still feels like there was plenty of improvement uh, Patty Gasso said when she pulled the team, there were a lot of, oh, I thought this was a 4 out of 10, a 5 out of 10 type thing. Uh, I mentioned kind of the, the 10 runners left on base in each, the Duke game and the Washington game. That's something that I think will come with just getting back into the rhythm of things. Some of the nerves for the pitching staff, but just from your experience, when 
you come back and it, it's you have great weekends in some of the first month of the season, but you know that this is a huge opportunity to make you can make big improvements from weekend one to weekend two, uh, from February to March, things like that. What's kind of the mindset of the team as you guys come back from last year was the Mark Campbell and, and the Mary Nutter and stuff like that? And how does that kind of play out as it's really like an interesting you're back in. You only really have a couple of days of practice before you have to sh- ship back out. This time you're going to this team's going to Lake Charles and the Mary Nutter next week. But what's that like to try and fit in so much of that work and just like a couple of days practice where you're headed back out? Yeah, I think a big part of that is just trying to keep the consistency, not changing too much and kind of getting like the nerves out shaken out and you're like okay we did it we got out of the way what did you guys think I feel like a lot of it is like just getting the feels out um is a really big situation um that you attack midweek and everything but then also I think what is so underrated is when the amount of time that goes into watching film of the preview of the next teams um and also just previous teams, like over the weekend, um, there's so much time that goes into film at OU, and I think that is a huge difference maker um, within the program. And so um, this upcoming weekend, it might be a little bit harder to find that film, but I know that there's some really good um, analytics out there, but I think that's a really big thing because you just don't know. There's a lot of these games you don't typically see, whether that's on ESPN Plus or anything. So with this next weekend, um, as Coach calls it, it's a kind of a trap weekend. Uh, we kind of fell into that trap last year. Um, so I think when you go into this, it's really gunning for not taking your um, foot off the, the gas pedal and really just capitalizing on those big moments like you talked about in each of those big games this weekend against Duke and Washington. There was 10 left on base, and that's kind of unheard of within OU softball offense. And so I think Coach is really going to focus on not only going for you know the big explosive home runs, but also being strategic in um, – being able to move runners, score, and really capitalize off of those free bases. Like OU offense, I think, is so, so good at, you know, getting those free bases, those walks, those hit-by-pitches. But I think this the first weekend is always the hardest. Is like, okay, great, you got the first, you know, step checked off. Let, how do we get to the next one? And I think that this next weekend is going to be huge in the, okay, let's get the runs scored it's a, it's, we're going to go through the whole process, not just the first step. Um, and that's going to be really, really big. And especially against these teams of, um, McNeese state Lamar and central Arkansas. Um, and like you said earlier, it's going to be kind of that key weekend of really being able to not fall into that trap. Like coach Gasso said, um, whether that's game times, but also just who you're playing. Um, because it's one thing when you're like, okay, we're playing Duke in Washington this weekend. Um, so you kind of get amped for it, but you got to kind of keep that foot on the gas pedal and that mentality when you're when you're looking at the games of the weekend for this this next um, upcoming um, weekend. So it's a good slate too for for that kind of focus. Um, I, I wonder just for, for getting attention. First off, Central Arkansas is a team that because of where they're situated, they play a lot of midweek games like against Oklahoma State, against Arkansas. So um, you're not going to have like the um, eyes really wide and big that, that some teams I feel like have when they step on the field against Oklahoma. I think you saw that from Utah Valley, like the first two innings, they're just like, holy crap, that's Oklahoma. Then they settled into the game and played well in, in spots. Utah Valley did. That, you're not going to get that from uh, the Central Arkansas team. I know that they had some transfers head out. I think their stud pitcher went to Alabama this offseason. I think so too. Or she graduated. I can't remember. Yeah. But 
I know that in recent years they've been pretty decent as well as McNeese State. They had that insane super regional run, um, and it was really fun to watch. I don't know. I really didn't dive into if they graduated a whole ton, but I think with their opening weekend they went four and one um, and had kind of an exciting weekend in themselves. So when they kind of come off of that and they have OU um, next on their lineup, I think that also provides a lot of maybe a little chip on their shoulder for them. So I think it's always fun to really kind of dive in to see how teams approach OU in different ways because they kind of have to be super strategic about how they take on certain things, whether that's you go the Texas Tech route or um, maybe put all your money on your ace and really trying to dive into it. But when I was looking into these teams for these upcoming weekend, I really didn't find like a key um, big pitcher that, they might put all of their money on. So I'm excited to see maybe how these teams approach OU's offense. Patty Gasso talked about the flip side of that is um, what McNeese State did a lot last year. She she talked about they have outrageous stolen base numbers that they are fearless as far as trying to, if they get a base runner on, put so much pressure on your defense, your pitcher, just as far as, hey, these runners are going to be in motion. They're going to be moving um, a, a lot. And so that'll be really interesting as... I didn't think Oklahoma was bad in the field. I think that, and we talked about this, it's a really, really, really impossibly high bar with what Grace Lyons was at, at the heart of that infield for a really long time. And so while you're not playing poorly, it's just a recalibration of like those impossible plays that Grace Lyons made, they're not just happening. Like there's an extra, hey, instead of a, a double play there, you just got the lead runner or stuff like that, which again, it, it's not a, uh, a negative on uh, this current infield. I thought they played well other than just one or two just uncharacteristic moments that were cleaned up against Washington, but, uh, or do either one. Uh, there, there were one or two base runners. Um, Kirsten did not get, or, or Keeney, sorry, Keeney did not get as much help as, as uh, in her little cameo against Duke, just one or two little blips uh, that gave her some extra pressure to work through. But all of that stuff, if, if like in Alyssa Brito's pressing, just because she made a mistake when she is li- usually money, things like that, that will show up here uh, against McNeese State because of what they try to do. Moving that around, and then Lamar, um, we're happy that Lamar is participating. We're, we're very excited for Lamar, what they're doing, how they're continuing to pour money into it. But two games against Central Arkansas, two games against McNeese. And McNeese has a game um, actually tomorrow against Baylor, so they're going to kind of be already acclimated into um, what Oklahoma's doing by the time that the, the Sooners roll through on Friday. Yeah, no, I'm excited. And like you said, the McNeese State, they have that um – running ability and I think some teams that maybe you can compare them to on the base pass would be like Florida State. Florida State's super aggressive on the base pass. Texas really aggressive on the on the base pass. So when you prepare for those kind of teams, when I tell you the defense that week is is pretty unbearable, it it's it's not fun, especially as a pitcher, because Coach Gasso just ripping grounders to you on the mound. You're like, you still got it. She Make still it got it. Make it she stop. still has it and I can confirm that. But it's it's a lot of fun too because also I think when it's kind of rare in the in the past, a lot of runners don't get on base. And I feel like the defense is going to have to work a little bit extra this year because there's not a ton of shutout pitchers that OU is used to having. So kind of seeing what Kinsey can do behind the plate and really get acclimated to the new um, middle infielders that she has um, and see who really steps up in those, in those um, opportunities and just see how they take advantage of that because... Like you might think, like how does Kinsey Hansen, as good as a catcher she is, like how does she not have a gold glove at this point? But there's really not been a ton of runners that have really tried on her. I think this weekend there was there was a runner that tried going to third, and but Kinsey 
like snatched it out of the blue and threw um, threw her out at third to Brito, which Brito made an insane tag. It was a really fun play to go back and watch too. But Kinsey, I don't think, has been tested a whole ton with runners behind the plate. So I'm excited to see if McNeese tries to capitalize on some situations up this upcoming weekend. In a weird way, it's a lot of respect for what Kinsey did in 2021. When she was split in time with Lindsay Elam, she was kind of the, when Lindsay came in, she was the captain, the one that could settle everybody down. Kinsey was a lot younger. Not that she couldn't do that, but she has the absolute cannon. And then in 2022, she was so banged up that it was basically platooning a lot of her to get her through it. And then I felt like last year teams just were like, we know what Kinsey was a couple of years ago when she was healthy. We're just not going to attempt it. Not even worry about it. Getting a base runner in general is so precious. We're, we're not going to try that. You're not going to see that fear for McNeese. That'll be pretty cool. Uh, quickly, just elsewhere across the country, uh, Texas, hell of a weekend. A couple of big-time run rules over UCLA, including the 16-0 one on Saturday. Blew my mind. Oklahoma State came through and run-ruled UCLA on Sunday as well. So it was a great weekend for the Big 12 to get off and running. Baylor had a tough weekend, but only because they were playing Tennessee. They lost two games in Tennessee. Tennessee's right now the number two team in the country in the coaches' poll. Like, very, very respected. Like, going 0-2 against Tennessee is nothing to, like, shake your fist at or anything like that. But uh, we had some upsets across the board. Stanford dropped a couple of games to Kentucky. Charlotte and their blue tape went into Tallahassee and that Florida State team. I feel like Florida State just drops one to specifically Charlotte, like, at the start of every year just to be like, no one worry about us. We're gonna we're gonna be in Oklahoma City at the end. It'll be fine. But it, it, it I feel was like Charlotte is kind of like underrated. They're always like that key team. They're an NCAA team, but they they kind of always chip away at a team every year. It's kind of weird, and everyone's so shocked. But I'm like, they're kind of like used to doing it at this point. They play Florida State and Alabama like every year. Like they're right. not afraid of of any diamond they step onto. So it was uh it was a pretty interesting weekend. Alabama as well had uh, a good weekend. And, uh, yeah, it was a, a fun week across um, softball. But, unfortunately, just real quick as we roll out here, um, something I know a lot of people around here were locked into, Jordy Ball, Nebraska, also out at the Puerto Vallarta uh, College Challenge and just an absolute bummer. First game out for Jordy. She goes down. We kind of wondered all weekend. It was announced yesterday, uh, the ACL. So, Jordy's going to have to take a red shirt. Um Patty Gasso, I thought, spoke really eloquently about just not just like she knows Jordy the athlete and then Jordy mentally what, what she is and uh, just absolutely stinks for the entire sport for uh, one of the box office draws is like people will turn on the TV to watch Jordy ball pitch wherever, wherever uh, uh, she's firing and it just sucks. It, it was a real bummer. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, she kind of had that Jordy Ball effect out in Nebraska with the, the season tickets and everything, and it was really hard to see her go down, and I was really hoping it was just oh, like a foot sprain or something. I'm very I'm very uh, prone to those, so I was expecting that, but I was really bummed when I saw the news yesterday, but I think also, too, this is a really good time for her to improve that, that kind of different aspect of the game for her and being able to help in her red shirt that um, this upcoming year and seeing what she comes back. And I know it'll be stronger in 2025. Yeah, that, that's the kind of athlete that she is. We saw that firsthand last year as uh, two years ago, frankly, as she battled through the forearm injury just to play a role in the champ series, despite the fact that uh, she obviously wasn't a hundred percent or close to herself working through mentally, some of the trusting her body again at the start of last year. And then we saw what she did at the world series, shut everything down sensational as well. So, uh, can't wait to see her in 2025. Just, just bummed. Cause as, as we talked about last week, I was really excited to see what Nebraska was going to be as they had a pretty solid foundation there already. And then wonder if Jordy could be enough to help 
kind of tip that over and, and help bring softball to uh, not a region. I, I don't think that doesn't love softball because Big Ten softball is legit, but help kind of reinvigorate. Like Nebraska is one of the great fan bases in college athletics. You see what we've done with Nebraska volleyball to bring a little bit of that sprinkle. College softball is going to be a better place because Nebraska was going to be engaged and just kind of a bummer. So I hope that they still stay engaged and that uh, Jordy comes back firing in 2025. But Alex, this is going to be a trend here. Our hour ticks by way too quickly. We are out of time. Uh, We'll be back next week, though, reviewing everything that happened. Again, a couple of games Friday, a couple of games Saturday, one on Sunday, two against Central Arkansas, two against McNeese State, one against Lamar. But that'll do it for the road to OKC this week. We'll see you guys same time, same place here next Wednesday for Alex Straco. For our good buddy, Dave Mark, doing a great job keeping us on. I'm Ryan Chapman. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll talk to you guys next week.